Today's Heat Check is brought to you by Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em. You know what time it is? It's bracket time. There's no wrong way to pick teams with the Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Join a public group or create a group or join Draymond Green's group. He's got basketball, but also he's got time to do this for a shot at $25,000. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off on March 15th. Build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney2018. We are also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and pass those savings along to you. Not like last resort places. They work with cool, top-rated hotels where you actually want to stay. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can actually book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. So if you want to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, download the Hotel Tonight app now. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined per usual, holding it down in the other room. Isaac Lee is here. Hello. Hello, Isaac. We have uh, a lot of basketball to talk about, as we like to say here at the Heat Check Podcast. Basketball never stops. That includes, apparently, college basketball, which I have paid next to no attention to because of NBA basketball. Luckily, we've got you covered here at the Ringer. One Shining Podcast, absolutely killing it with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. After the selection show on Sunday, they put up an awesome pod. Also, Titus is on the site today on the ringer.com with a fun piece breaking down the brackets. So that's the primers that you're going to need to get your brackets together. You want to check those out. But also we have plenty of NBA to discuss because like we said, it continues. And uh, we think we've got a fun program for you. All three members of the draft class podcast will be on, but two of them, Jonathan Sharks and Danny Chow will be on together to talk about the Raptors and the Blazers, two teams that we really don't discuss enough. So we're going to get into those guys because they had a really interesting weekend. They both had big wins. They're both killing it right now. They're both on big winning streaks. So we're going to get into those. And Danny Chow had the spiciest of spicy uh, NBA desktop takes. Isaac, did you see this? Very spicy. Ah, I can't wait. We're going to replay that. uh, And Danny will be on to discuss his take on tanking. And then later, last week, his first ever appearance on the show. This week, he's back again. He was that good. We had to bring him back. It's Paolo Ugetti, Paolo Esco blog. So he'll be here to talk about a piece that he wrote with Haley O'Shaughnessy, the most important players to watch over the final stretch of the NBA. But first, Isaac. Normally here at the Ringer, we all get along. Normally. Not this time. We're bringing in two guys who are going at each other hot. Ring the bell. It's time to rumble, I think. He's heating up. He's on fire. All right, joining me right now, one of them is on the phone. One of them is in studio with me. On the phone, the defender of the Alamo, the Spurs' favorite fan, Greg Popovich's large adult son, it's Shea Serrano. What's going on, Shay? What's up? Hello to you, but not hello to Kevin. But not hello to Kevin. Also joining us in studio right now, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Hater, Kevin O'Connor is here. Shay, just so you know before we get into this, because we're going to have a long discussion about the Spurs between the two of you who are on opposite sides, Kevin has decided to preemptively attempt to curry favor with me by wearing a Feds shirt with Fultz and B, <laughs> Dario and Simmons. So he's pandering. Yes. <laughs> And just so you know, before we get started, I hate Kevin. 
this is. I'm going to end every answer I give for the rest of this podcast with "I hate Kevin." It's going to be our best ever episode. So just I, I so people understand, everybody you. here at the Ringer gets along, and these two guys used to get along. But then Kevin came out with a very hot piece last week, and I'm going to read the headline here, which is a true headline. The headline was, no, seriously, this time, is this the end of the Spurs dynasty, question mark. And then the art, the photo, was Greg Popovich (laughs) holding up and examining a skull, which I thought was aggressive. Normally, and this is like a little bit of journalism sausage making 101, normally the writer doesn't pick the headline or do the art. Kevin actually did both of those. (laughs) That's how much he hates the Spurs. I made that beautiful art piece. Yeah, Unbelievable. Actually, credit to Matt James for that. Unbelievable. He hates the Spurs, Shay. What say you? I say that I hate Kevin and I hate everybody named Kevin and anybody (laughs) whose name rhymes with Kevin. So that's also Devin's and Evan's. Yeah. Apologies to them. Levin. Is there anybody named Levin? Our buddy Mike Levin from uh, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. You hate yeah, him yeah, now, I hate too. Him. Yeah, I hate him, too. Everybody's been dragged into this war. It's really gotten ugly. Kevin, I want you to explain this piece because it, it has not been, in fairness to you, and this is this will be the only time that, that I even throw you even a little bit of a bone, fairness to you, it has not been good days for the San Antonio Spurs. They're 2-8 and eight over their last 10, and they slipped to 7th in the Western Conference. They might get Kawhi back later this week, but you were looking at the tea leaves here, and you don't like the way that they read. Well, that's kind of my question for Shea here. Shay, are the Spurs facing more dire circumstances right now than they have in this entire magical era the last 20 years? No, of course not. Because I remember that you asked me this question last year and the year before that 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 and the year before that. All the way to 2007, people have been saying this same exact story. And it's, I don't know. I, I hate Kevin. So here's my thing. Like, Last week, we did a piece uh, for the ringer.com, more shameless plugs for the site, where we went through, like, let's go and pick out the Western Conference teams and make a case for them, the teams that aren't the Rockets and the Warriors. Yeah, the teams right? have the best chance to beat Golden right. State or Houston. And I picked the Spurs just because of basically summarizing exactly what Shea just said. Like, if you look at everything that's happening right now, and you, and you did lay out a very Kevin O'Connor case for why things have not gone well for them. This is their worst season since 1996-97 when they bottomed out to get Duncan, where they are in the standings. They're playing at their second slowest pace in the league. More mid-range shots than all but three other teams, according to Cleaning Glass. Uh, all these things sort of add up. But my case goes to what Shea was just saying, which was, they're the Spurs. And for whatever reason, or as an organization, they figure it out and they play well and they're supposed to get Kawhi back on Thursday. And then all of a sudden I go, oh yeah, like Pop knows what he's doing. Well, yeah, that's exactly true. And and I think if any team can get out of this current situation with Kawhi being reportedly unhappy with Kawhi's weird situation with the injury, with the lack of elite young talent on their roster, with the, all the upcoming free agents, what? all the up, up the, the <laughs> aging players. If any team can get out of that, it's the San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, and the, and the top-down alignment that they have within the organization. It's remarkable what they've built. They can get out of it. The point of the article is that they're facing tougher circumstances than they have any time before. Yes, people have said this every year, but the question is, should they have said that? I know you can look back and say, oh, of course it was silly to say that, but maybe it actually was silly, And but it doesn't mean it's always going to be silly to say because every dynasty in sports history at some point falls off. Maybe a little bit, sometimes a lot. We don't know what's going to happen with the Spurs, but what we do know is right now they are facing weirder, tougher circumstances than they ever have over the last 20 years. First of all, I can't believe that you would ever say anything like that about DeJounte Murray. First of all, 
with no young talent. How dare you? No, no elite young talent. Yes, elite. He is elite. He's on the same career path Tony Parker was on. Remember when he showed up and everybody yeah. was like, this guy's not the move. And then in 2007, finals MVP, that's what's going to happen with DeJounte. <laughs> of course, the Spurs are not so great right now. It's almost as if they're without their best player is what it feels like, Kevin. I don't know if you've noticed, but Kawhi has not been playing. <laughs> it is almost like they're without their best player. I wanted to read something to Dishay that, that appeared in the piece because I, I had mentioned earlier where uh, Kevin went through why he's not crazy about the way that the Spurs are actually playing on the court. They don't play at a quick pace, second slowest right now. More mid-range mm-hmm. shots, as we mentioned. This is a line that Kevin actually put in his piece. Making this roster play like the Rockets is the equivalent of having Ashton Kutcher (laughs) portray Steve Jobs. I don't know. I think that that's it for him in San Antonio. He can never go to Texas. Yeah, never again. There's a bounty on his head when he gets here. That's not necessarily a shot at the Spurs, though. It's just saying that... Like, you compare them to Ashton Kutcher. If you give it context, <laughs> within the context, it's Greg Popovich <laughs> has taken the roster that he has right. and maximized it. The Spurs aren't a bad team. They're playing the style that they need to play based off their skill set. The point is, is that even if they want to be the Rockets and put up all layups and threes, they don't have the personnel to do that. So while we can oh, say, oh, the Spurs are taking a bunch of mid-range jumps, you can knock them for that. What they're doing is maximizing what they have on the roster. If they want to play a different way, they need different players. If they need different players, then they need to make big changes. They don't want to play a different way, though. This is the way they want to play. This is what outsiders like you, Kevin, oh, bummer, <laughs> don't understand. <laughs> is that Greg Popovich looks at the NBA and he says, okay, this is what they're doing. We're going to do this other thing and nobody's going to know what to do with it. And that's exactly what's happening. We did the same thing in 2014 when we were like, hey, guess what, guys? From now on, we're passing the ball 50 times every possession and then shooting a wide open three. And then now everybody in the NBA wants to do that. We were trying to pretend like the Spurs didn't invent that. They did. They've made the best version of that. So now we're going to do the same thing with the mid-range game and watch my number one player of all time, LaMarcus, murder everyone. This is- <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. This is exactly what's going to happen. Rockets finish in first place. Spurs finish in eighth place. Mike D'Antoni does what Mike D'Antoni does in the playoffs against Greg Popovich, which is fall apart by game six. And we move on after that. It's going to be beautiful. Like nobody, nobody wants to see the Spurs less than the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. Nobody. And that's what we're going to get matched up with in the first round. We're going to get them out of there. I don't know who we play in the second round, probably Oklahoma or somebody like that who they're not built for the run. And we're going to end up back where we were last year, up 20 points in game one in the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors before Jaja did what he does. And it's going to be a rock fight. And I can't believe you would ever doubt that. I am uh, enjoying this forecast. In the future, I see Shea writing a piece where Greg Popovich is holding maybe Kevin O'Connor's skull <laughs> in his hand where Shea is exactly. writing that. It's going to be, it's gonna, I'm really looking forward to this. You brought up LaMarcus Aldridge though, Shea. You've had an interesting journey with LaMarcus Aldridge. And I like last year, you were not at all on board with him. This year, obviously, he's had a much better season. Uh, he's, he's playing very well. He's still dealing with, uh, I believe it's an ankle injury, right? But so <clears throat> h- how do we, how do you feel about him? Like, yes, Kawhi Leonard, is coming back, but he's still going to have to be phased back in. We don't know how healthy he is. How do you feel about the prospect of LaMarcus having to really sort of carry them if they're going to realize your vision? Um, I feel 100% confident right now in LaMarcus's ability. I, I love this because this really has been a journey for you and him. 
Yeah, it has. Because when he first got there, I was anticipating we were getting Portland LaMarcus Aldridge, Portland playoffs LaMarcus Aldridge when he was going nuts against the Rockets. Yeah, you didn't get that one. And we didn't get that one. We got it for a tiny bit. We got it for a tiny bit, and then it disappeared for whatever reason. So last season, I was like, nope, I'm out on LaMarcus. I thought that riding him hard would be like the way to go. I thought, you know, that's the way I was raised. That's how we raise our young Mexican children in San Antonio. (laughs) We just berate them until they become great or they break down mentally. And he broke down last year. So now I switched it this year. I'm all praise for LaMarcus, and he's been shining. And I have to assume that it's because I have been putting positive vibes into the universe. You broke him down, and now you're building him back up. I don't. Uh, Kevin is showing me something frantically on his computer that I can't make out. Kevin, just use your words. We're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me what you're pointing out right now. I was just trying to say we get to talk about their upcoming schedule. Okay, and all right. And if they're even going to make it into the playoffs. That would have been great if you had just gone, hey, Guns, we need to talk about their upcoming schedule. I would have been like, that makes sense. I don't know what you're pantomiming to me, and neither do the people listening Kevin, at home. Kevin, we gave you a mic for a we reason. Get, it's just... It's just all of a sudden, he's, he comes on the podcast and goes full mute. Uh, tell me what their schedule looks like, Kevin. Well, starting tonight at Rockets, and then they face Orlando. Easy. That's an easy W. But, but, then, but then after that, Pelicans, T-Wolves, Warriors, Wizards, Jazz, Bucks, Wizards, Thunder, Rockets, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Kings, Pelicans. They have like two games that are quote-unquote easy against Sacramento. Uh, it's a tough schedule. And then against Orlando. But other than that, that's really, really, really difficult. And Kawhi is supposed to be coming back Thursday. Right. Pelicans. Yes. And, but the point is that they're only a half game up right now on the nine seed Nuggets and 10 seed Jazz and also tied with the Clippers at eight. I only heard you say the Warriors name one time in that whole schedule. That's it. So we're fine. And to Shay's point here, it's uh, look, this is a difficult schedule down the stretch. It is. However, as you mentioned, the team that they're jockeying with, the Clippers, I, I watched them over the weekend. I've been watching them all season. Isaac earmuffs per usual. Oh, no. I don't know what they are, and I don't know if they know what they are. And I know that they love this idea that like anybody can do anything on any given night. I'm not buying them. The Nuggets are interesting, and the Jazz are fine, I guess. I, for me, it's still the Spurs just because of muscle memory. And as it should be. And because they could be getting Kawhi back on Thursday. Right. But, which is but, a big boost. For sure. In theory. In theory. If, if he's if, healthy. If he's back. and Because right. if he plays the same way he did the first nine games, he was back. Well, maybe it won't be quite as much of a boost as you would hope. But if he gets into a rhythm by the end of his return, then that'd be terrific. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. But the one concern is that this season they've had one of the more significant drop-offs against teams over 500. Like, they have just pummeled teams below 500. But against teams over 500, they have experienced a significant drop in their stats, which was something I outlined in the article. And, like, only the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Clippers have seen a more significant drop-off based on the story. Really pushing this anti-Spurs article that you wrote last week. I mean, like, really pumping the hell out of it. The thing is, is with with the Spurs, (laughs) man, like I said at the beginning, they're built to get out of this. They are built... To get out of it. It's as simple as that, really, with the ownership, with the front office, with the coach that they have, and with the players that they have, too. But the thing is, is that they're entering unique circumstances with green, gay, and in free agency, a lot of older guys that are going to be expensive, like a soul and Aldridge. And there's a lot of uncertainty, more so than usual. With the so players. I want to I talk about that exact point, because it's not... 
like we're discussing this season and and whether or not they make the playoffs yes. and what they can do. And Shea is very confident that they're going to end up with the eighth seed and then unseat the Rockets, and that would be a hell of a storyline. But moving forward, it's Shea, much more I, I want to sure. feel you out on, on on what you expect out of them over the next couple of years because the one thing that it, that did give me pause in Kevin's story, aside from the fact that there was Greg Popovich holding a skull, which I thought was <laughs> a very aggressive art piece, um, we have Lamarcus Aldridge at twenty two and change, twenty two million and change. Between him and Patty Mills and, and Pau Gasol, they've got almost $80 million in guaranteed salaries wrapped up for next year. When you look at their future and, and the money that they've already committed, what's your feeling on that? My feeling is the same as it's always been. If you've got Greg Popovich in charge of your ship, it's going to go in the right direction. And that's really all you need. You know what I hear on the other end of this phone is I hear a lot of half-stepping from Kevin O'Connor over there. Kevin, you're telling me you keep saying the Spurs are not going to make the playoffs, except the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. Like you got to make a decision, buddy. Which one is it? You got to pick a dog and stand by that dog. You can't have two dogs here. I had a conversation with Jason Concepcion last week, and he, and he was like, "You get any spice for me for NBA desktop?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got an article coming out on the Spurs about how like they could be in trouble and might not make the playoffs." And I jokingly said the Spurs should blow it up. And he's like, "Yes, that's the spice." And I was like, "Well, the thing is, is the article's actually about how blah 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 this and that everything we've been discussing." And so Jason also told me I got to pick a stance. He's trying to curry favor with <laughs> you is the big thing, and also I and still no stance. He gave that whole answer to say he well, needed to give a stance and then just fell back. You're not tricking me, Kevin O'Connor. I don't see why the stance can't be the Spurs are, are facing tough circumstances and they are built to get out of it. That's what my kind stance. of sports writer are you that That's you're using that you're using nuance? That's there's no room for <laughs> That's nuance. Not a stance at all. <laughs> I, I, That's uh, the opposite of a stance. You're laying down. That's what you're doing right now. You're not standing. Feel, up. Feels very fair based on the assessment. Of I suspect game. that he's also trying to walk it back because uh, Kirk Goldsberry took us out when we were in Boston at the Sloan Analytics Conference. Former Grantlander, now working at the Spurs. Your buddy. Apparently, you have sleepovers and everything, Shay. But uh, I think that he's a little worried about the. the the heat that he might get on the other side doesn't make a difference. Yeah, he's terrified. Terrified. I've never heard it. I've never heard anything quite like this where somebody wanted to both be controversial and not controversial <laughs> at the same. You yeah. should be a movie critic, and every movie you should be like, "This movie is it's going to be good or it's going to be not good or it's going to be medium." <laughs> That's what you're doing right now. It might be average to slightly above or perhaps uh, below. He put Ashton Kutcher in the piece. It was really amazing. All right, we did a lot of Spurs here. Before I let you guys go, I, I want to get into uh, another team that, that's sort of reeling. I was at the Cavs-Lakers game last night. Lakers didn't even have Brandon Ingram. Still won. Actually smacked the Cavs. Cavs got to the point, now Cavs have had a lot of injuries, but Cavs got to the point where in the fourth quarter, they just basically sat all of their guys and ran out some warm bodies and just decided to get the hell out of LA. What's your concern level? I know you're not concerned about the Spurs, Shay. If you were a Cavs fan, how concerned would you be? Oh, you should be 100% concerned there. That team has fallen all the way apart. All they're waiting for is to lose in the playoffs. So LeBron can schedule his flight to Los Angeles. That's it. He should have just stayed here. It would, it would make the trip a lot easier. Last night, I thought it was fascinating, Kevin, when as this whole blowout is happening, Magic, with the massive flex, decides to walk across. I was watching this happen in real time right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> Magic was basically like, screw it. I'll just send the tampering check now. Walked all the way across the court, was across from the Cavs bench and went and welcomed Maverick Carter and Rich Paul, LeBron's agent and business manager, and like had a very chummy, like, 
while the game was happening, hello. They were just talking about Contavious Caldwell Pope. Could be anything. Just Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's all. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I was watching that. I'm like, wow, Magic has given the full court hard press on this one. Oh, I anybody. Know, I, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> anybody <laughs> else? I'm passing the uh, ball, guys. Yeah. That's my bad. I was waiting for Kevin to give a not answer answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll do, I'll be Kevin. Yeah, the Cavs are, they're in a lot of trouble, except they're the Cavs, so they're not in trouble because LeBron is getting old, so he's not good. But LeBron is LeBron, so he's still good. <laughs> As Kevin reported, and only Kevin reported, LeBron has apparently narrowed it down to four teams. Kevin, you no, made big that, news that's, last that's, week. That's, no, that was the way it was picked up. But that's <laughs> not what I reported. What, what, I, what I reported was that there's four teams on his list, but it's not that they narrowed it down. It's, this, they could grow. Could he shrink. reported that there's four teams on his list, but there's also 25 other teams on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Kevin reported. <laughs> well, one thing we didn't talk about, Shay, what are your... What are your Sorry, I, I have to ask. Please, I have to please. ask. What are your just general thoughts? Not about the article, but general thoughts on the weird Kawhi rumblings about him, you know, possibly wanting out or being unhappy with the situation. Uh, my thoughts are: I've never liked Kawhi, and he should go unless he's happy, and then he should stay. And I love him. See, he's doing, like an answer he, like he, me. He's doing more KOC stuff. Yeah. We actually, he and I actually <laughs> talked about this a couple podcasts ago. Where Shay, you thought that the, that it might have been a wrap for Kawhi pre trade deadline, and now I feel like you you're kind of like walking that back. You want him back. You want him to stay. Of course, I want him to stay, but I don't want him to stay if he doesn't want to be there. It's one of those situations, you know. Yeah, it's like when you're in a relationship. If you want to be here, then I want you here. But if you don't, then just go and let my feelings be hurt for a little while so I can move on. I always want you guys to be here on the Heat Check Podcast. However, I do need to let you go. Uh, you guys killed it. I'm wishing the, the Spurs and Kirk Goldsberry and Shea Serrano the best, despite Kevin O'Connor trying to send them off into the cast-off pile. We will not die. They will not die. Uh, Shea Serrano, I'm rooting for you. Kevin O'Connor, also rooting for you because you decided to wear that fun Fed shirt to the podcast. Shea Serrano, Kevin O'Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, boys. All right, before we get to Charks and Chow, let's hear from our sponsors. Heat Check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? Well, guess what? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match the right candidates are out there ZipRecruiter is how you find them businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs right now our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free that's right for free just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer NBA that's ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer NBA one more time ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer NBA ZipRecruiter it's the smartest way to hire All right, joining me right now, one of them is on the phone, the other one sitting across from me with his handsome face, two-thirds of the Draft Class podcast from Friday. Charks is on the phone. Chow is in studio. What's up, guys? Hey, man. How you doing? Excellent. I'm so glad you guys could do this. It's so early. Danny is already shaking his head at me because I dragged him out of bed. It is early. It is really early. Uh, but that's why I appreciate you guys joining me. We have a lot to discuss. 
Sometimes when we do the Heat Check podcast, I'll get feedback from people on Twitter and they'll rightly get upset that we don't talk about some other teams. We spend a lot of time talking about the Warriors and the Rockets and the Cavs. And they're right because two teams that we've kind of not ignored, but not given enough attention to, I wanted to get into with you guys, the Raptors and the Blazers had very interesting, frankly, they're on very interesting runs right now, but they also both had signature wins over the weekend. Let's start with the Raptors. The Raptors snapped the Rockets' long winning streak, and now the Raptors are on one of their own. They're playing extremely well right now. They're tops in the East. They've won eight in a row. They're nine out of the last 10 as well. Are we surprised by what the Raptors are doing this year? Because I, I mean, like they've been good all year, and probably we shouldn't be surprised by now, but the way that they've sustained it all season and the way that they've reconfigured their offense and really figured out the modern NBA in 2018, all credit to them. I think it's amazing. Well, I think with Toronto, just the depth they have makes you think in the regular season, like they just have 10 or 11 guys and they just absolutely demolish teams. You're into like early March now. It's been a long year. And they're one of the few teams league that can just absolutely kill you for 48 minutes. So I guess I'm not too surprised in the regular season. They're kind of killing it right now. I think what's interesting with the team is that Dwayne Casey kind of identified exactly what the team needed very early on in the season. He made a switch to start OG Ananobi, their rookie. My guy. Like maybe six games into the season. And he is one of the league's leaders in net rating. Mm -hmm. The guy just knows how to defend. And he's known how to defend seemingly since he came out of the womb. So like we're looking at that and we're it's time to maybe give Dwayne Casey, you know, the, the front runner position, the pole position for coach of the year. I want to talk about Dwayne Casey and I want to talk about his coach of the year candidacy because coming into this season, it was the same thing every year with Dwayne Casey. It was the same thing every year with the Raptors where we went, all right, they're going to be good. They're not going to shoot enough threes. They're going to get into the postseason and they're going to fall apart. And then that's going to be it. And then rinse and repeat at some point before this year, I don't know what happened, what the epiphany was for Dwayne Casey, if there was some sort of come-to-Jesus well, moment well, the, with Messiah or what, but he has been different. They have been different. They've been fantastic, and that's why it's surprising for me. The, the epiphany was getting their asses beat by LeBron two years in a row. Well, well right, but so that's happened, though, repeatedly, right? Like, right, so they, exactly. I mean, after a while, you just kind of get sick of it, and you get sick of DeMar DeRozan not taking threes during the postseason, and you're just like, you know what? My star player needs to change. Also, too, like the epiphany is getting better players. Like their supporting cast is much better this yeah. year. They've got what four or five new guys in the rotation. So, like people say, it's the same old Raptors, but this is a very different team. And like they have the the frontline guys the same, but really it's all these secondary guys when those frontline guys do different things. And that's kind of what's changed. I mean, Dwayne's a coach. A coach as good as his players. He's gotten better players this year. Charks, where are you on Dwayne Casey as coach of the year? Uh, I mean, I think that's a good one. Like, with Brad Stevens kind of falling back a bit. Yep. Also, shout out to Rick Carlisle. These are his two guys, Casey and Stotts, killing the NBA right now. So, low-key shout out to my guy in Dallas, Ricky C. We're going to get into Stotts in a little bit, but I, I think, like, that says everything you need to say. Like, when you're looking at the Coach of the Year race and you go, all right, well, I mean, D'Antoni had it last year. You could always make a case for Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Uh, and then that's basically it. Like You're probably looking at Nate McMillan with, with how the Pacers are, are looking right now. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think it's, it's Dwayne Casey's to lose, is it not? There it is. I, I mean, yeah, I think, he, I think he's the favorite right now. That's like the booby prize, right? Coach of the year. Those guys always get fired, I feel like, like two years from then after the game. Yeah, unless you're pop. So. Yeah, I'm looking at the net rating right now in the league. Warriors are one. Rockets are two. Raptors are three. And Raptors are not far that far off the Rockets' pace 
for and, net rating. And they've been three for pretty much the entire year. They've been fantastic. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about some of those players too. And, and you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar has really blossomed this year. He's always been, I think, one of the most underrated players in the NBA. But this year, it, to the extent that you could be an all-star and be that underrated, I mean, like, I still think we sleep on DeMar DeRozan. I know I do frequently. I don't know if it was you who mentioned him as like a dark horse MVP candidate. He will get the consideration just because of where the Raptors are. I, I don't know if it's something that we can necessarily take very seriously. Like, I wouldn't put him in my top three, I, but he's, he's there in the top five. Well, so, I, I I, okay, so now that's where I want right. to discuss this because I still don't have him in my top five because mm-hmm. my I mean, top, top five is pretty loaded this year. Top five is loaded. Right. Top five is loaded. My top five right now would still be Harden and LeBron and then Anthony Davis, who had, uh, I think, all of the blocks yesterday for the entire season, and then your two guys from the Warriors. Right. It's really hard for me to move one of those guys out for DeRozan, but that's sad when he's having that kind of season for the team that's leading the East, how do you not wedge him in somehow? Right, exactly. And it's largely, with the MVP award, it's largely narrative-driven. So if the Raptors, I I made a point in my Raptors piece that I wrote for Friday um, that if the Raptors end up with, you know, a 65-win season, I think DeMar somehow slots, you know, in between one of the Warriors guys at the five position. Well, you know what it is? Like, he won the MVP the year before in the playoffs. Like, if the Raptors make the finals this year, then DeMar could be an MVP guy next year. That's right. kind of how you make your name in the NBA. I think you're right about all of this, right? And I look I look at the way the East is shaping up, and Simmons made this uh, point on Twitter where he went, man, like, the, the East is really weak. The playoffs are going to be weird. I, I look at it a little bit differently and go, wow, the East is wide open for the first time in a while, especially because I, I mentioned this uh, with Kevin and Shea earlier. I was at that Cavs-Lakers game, and yes, the Cavs are really banged up right now, and they're still trying to incorporate those new pieces. But this is as grim as it's been since probably 2010 when the last time LeBron left. So I look at it and go, this could be really interesting. What percentage chance do we give the Raptors of actually finishing this thing off and making the finals? Man, I, I really, really enjoyed their game against the Rockets on Friday. It was fantastic. And I, I think they showed pretty much, it, it was one of those games where they needed to make a statement. It wasn't on national TV, unfortunately, but it had enough hype around it. It had, you know, the kind of fi- quote unquote finals preview vibe to it. And they showed exactly what they needed to do. And they were defending incredibly well. They were defending the, the Rockets about as well as you can for a team that didn't have its best defensive player in OG Ananobi mm-hmm. there. DeMar DeRozan, Jonas Valanciunas made huge defensive plays at the end, which is like not something you would ever say in any previous year. They looked legit. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's me being a hater. Like, how fast does Jonas get benched? Like, that tells me to make the finals or not. Yeah. Like, at some point, he's got to get off the floor. How quick does it happen? Right. You look at what he did in the pick and roll against the Rockets on Friday, and you're just like, this Jonas has never existed before. Yeah. So it could very well be a fluke. But, I, you know, in my heart of optimistic hearts, I really want to hope that, you know, Jonas can put in a good 15, 20 minutes and then— Plenty. Plenty. Right. And 15, because, yeah. So yeah, like you, the Zaza role, basically. Right. Yeah. And that's you what need, he has to be, You need, um, you know, Siakam and Pirtle to step in and yep. play, you know, more mobilized defense. But like, yeah, if you can get 15 minutes— And and Jonas is huge. He's going to get his buckets if you put him in the second unit, you know? So, I, I, look, that's I, my thing. I have always been, and, and still am, but it's making me nervous, a— LeBron in the playoffs is LeBron in the playoffs. And and like no matter how how good everybody else is playing during the regular season, it doesn't matter because it's a completely different game once we get to the postseason. 
for the first time in a very long time, I am like pretty close to being pushed off that position by the Raptors and also because of what's happening with the Cavs. I think it's like, will Cleveland play any defense? Because LeBron's going to dominate, obviously. But they have to play some defense to give him a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And that's the question right now. I if If the Cavs end up as the fourth or fifth seed... I would be terrified if I'm the Raptors. Sure. Well, for I was just sure. like freaking deja vu, like for the third straight year. Yeah. It would be it would be a nightmare. With the Raptors, just that we're even having this conversation really goes a long way because finally you've got another team in the East where you go, okay, this is legit. Like this is a team that could actually unseat them. Similarly, I love what the Blazers are doing in in the West. I, I have long been, as listeners to the Heat Check podcast know, a big fan of all things Portland. I love the basketball team. I love the city. Danny's making a trip up there. I'm very jealous. Everybody in Portland should have a meetup with Danny Chow, take him to fun restaurants and bars. Uh, he's a great time. He'll get, he'll deliver some spice uh, in exchange for that. But so I didn't expect, like, I, I like the Blazers, but in the same way that I didn't expect the Raptors to be this good, I didn't expect the Blazers to, all of a sudden we look up and like they're in, uh, the third seed in the Western Conference, primarily because this is the part that was surprising. Their defense has been outstanding this year. Right. They've been killing it, man. They've had a top 10 defensive rating all season. Uh, and right now they're seventh in defensive rating. Like the Terry Stotts is somehow like David Stoudemire went from playing no defense to being like, okay, like not so horrible, which is really impressive. And then Yusuf Nurkic is playing and you've got Aminu back and like Evan Turner is out there being Evan Turner still over dribbling on offense, but still giving an effort. I still don't understand how they're pulling it off defensively. I, I think it's it's a lot of the, a lot of the reason why they're they're the third seed. A lot of the reason why they've become, you know, this great defense is continuity. Like you look at the Western landscape and you, and you see all of these teams either dealing with major injuries or dealing with very significant roster changes down the line. So you put in the Blazers core who have stuck together for a really long time. You give them a full season of Nurkic. Mm-hmm. And Nurkic has been, you know, a very good rim protector, rim deterrent, just by virtue of being an enormous like land bridge. And yeah, you, you give them that, you give them a full season of that. And yeah, things are going to start clicking. I mean, Ad Davis, too, has been big. Yes. He's actually been like the best center for him this year. I, I would say he's probably maybe the best big coming off the bench this season. He's been really good. Well, so that's the part I wanted to get into with you guys. Like, I, I, lo- I like their their main three guys, right? And, and yes, Ad Davis has been good. And you've gotten some stuff from Shabazz Napier as the season has gone on. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm always going to be a villain fan because he doesn't play for the Sixers anymore. <laughs> so it's great. Uh, but I look at their bench and I go... I, I just look at their team in general and go, this is not a deep team. If you were going to be worried about them, it would be, you know, how much depth do they have for the postseason and do they have some It's all about their young parts? guys again. It's yeah. kind of like Toronto with like it's, Zach Collins. It really Collins, is like Toronto. Because that guy yeah. ready to play. My yeah. guy Zach Collins doing doing really well this year as a 19-year-old rookie, seven-footer. It, yeah, it, it's interesting. They, they kind of have that inside-outside presence from the front court. You have Zach Collins who they're basically grooming into a guy who can you know, block shots and take threes, which is the rarest thing you can do in the NBA. Sure. Ed Davis is, you know, the prototypical workhorse down low. Pat Connaughton is exactly what they kind of need him to be. He's just a guy, an athletic guy who can shoot threes and doesn't make too many mistakes. I, I think it's all kind of built around the idea that, look, if we can just keep it close, mm-hmm. then we can depend on Damian Lillard to close it out. Well, so, and, then, and therein lies the rub because like all those guys you mentioned are all fine 
right? But what you're really doing there if you're Terry Stotts is you're just stealing minutes with them. Like you're you're throwing them out there and like if you're looking at the other top tier teams, you, I don't think that you would compare their depth to them. Uh, it's really about their frontline guys, their top tier guys, and that's Damian Lillard. And I think Damian Lillard is doing something this season and lately that I think he got credit for in Portland and not outside of it. Like before the All-Star game, before he was named to the All-Star, everybody was like, oh, you know, who, where was he picked? He was probably one of the last guys to make the team. He gets a lot of heat. He's not seen as um, like an absolute superstar in the same context as some of the right. other All-Star guys. And now I think he's showing everybody, yeah, you slept on me for the wrong reasons. I'm fantastic. Well, you get a team in the top four in the West as the best player. That's going to raise your kind of stature around the league. And that yeah. was like the last step for him was kind of yeah. taking him to the next level. That was my big thing. Look, they're a top three seed in the West right now. That gives you a lot of clout. Yeah. And for, you know, the past nine years, the Blazers haven't had home court advantage. So when when you are the underdog, you can't really expect people to treat you as though you are a top dog. Here's what I'm watching for. I think, like, in the playoffs, what's going to happen is they're going to play on Dame and CJ. The two guys, to me, it's Aminu and Harkless. Can those guys knock down shots and make good plays in, like, three-on-two situations? Because the ball's going to go in their hands. At Can the, Harkless the even the get, like, minutes, though? <laughs> like, he's, been, he's been starting the last few weeks. Uh, I'm with you on Amino. Though, That's what I'm worried sure. about. That's what I'm worried about is those two guys. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, that'll be a big deal. But uh, to Danny's point about they haven't had home court, it's an advantage for them. Portland is a tough place to play. Moda Center is a tough place to play. Like, I really like that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So to watch them again, like, bringing some other team into their building and, like, we're, we're going to get four games at our place. Let's see how it goes. I think it's going to uh, be fun. You know what I want to see? I want to see LaMarcus go to Portland. That oh, Wouldn't that be incredible? That would be amazing. <laughs> One more amazing thing before I let you guys go. So uh, Danny Chow, who is a multimedia superstar here at The Ringer, Come on. he's it's a true. writer, he's an editor, he's on this podcast. Wardrobe he's, consultants. We're going to get into the wardrobe. He's on uh, group <laughs> chat. He's on draft class. He also made an absolutely amazing appearance <laughs> with Jason Concepcion on NBA desktop. Isaac, let's roll it. And now The Ringer's Danny Chow with some spice about losing on purpose. So here's my take. Yes. I think tanking is the only good thing about the regular season. <laughs> 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 Hear me out. Hear me out. We have an entire separate section of the season, the playoffs, to determine who is good. Tanking, it covers the emotional arc of the regular season. You got yes. hope at the beginning, and it degrades and rots into this fertile soil to which hope springs again. Yo, somebody get me a fire extinguisher. My computer, first of all, not <laughs> only was that take so spicy, but Sharks, as you and I noted, in the video, which I highly encourage you to seek out because desktop is fantastic. Anyway, Danny Chow wearing a beautiful blazer and a button-up shirt. My computer burst into flames with, with this whole thing. <laughs> okay, one, it's a beautiful shirt. I, I do not deny that. It's my favorite shirt. Two, it wasn't a blazer. Well, it, it, it was it, a jacket. Ja- don't I, so, sell yourself short it, it, here. No, it, it, okay, so it had a cotton shawl. So it was <laughs> young. Danny's all grown up, man. It, it was. Up. It was almost like it. It's like a. It was like a very casual jacket sweater hybrid. But the fact that I was like laying in this chair, it was like. I don't know. The lighting wasn't the greatest. The, the quality of the video wasn't the greatest. So it kind of looked like a blazer. It had the lapels or whatever. But like, see, that's what you, you pulled it off. Though that's the thing. You made people think it was a blazer. He absolutely pulled it off. Kevin Clark, move over. We have a new <laughs> sartorial top dog in uh, at the ringer. But also, Charks, what do you think about the idea that tanking is the only truth? I mean, the only truth. It's a great take. It's a truth. I will say that much. Obviously, we can't say it's the only, but. 
I'll go with them that far. It's, it's something to watch, I suppose. Okay, so I'm going to continue on my grand unifying thesis <laughs> of tanking. So, <laughs> okay, great. so one of, the, one of the best adages in sports is that styles make fights, right? True. So yeah. the truth is, in the modern NBA, we kind of have this monoculture going on. Like, every team is playing in the spread pick and roll where you're trying to get all your players in, in space and shooting threes. So the best way to win is every team is doing that and the good teams are doing it somewhat better than every other team. So there's only a couple ways to win. There are so many different ways to lose. I Look, who are you talking to here? I wrote multiple pieces for the ringer.com <laughs> in favor of tanking, one of which pissed off Daryl Morey. I love tanking. I've, I'm one of the main advocates and, and watched the Sixers go through it over however many years. I love that you've come around on this. This well, is no. This you've really is, staked out a position. It's not kind of. I think around. you were a true believer, though, right? Dan? Yeah, you were always on the tank. This was something tank. that I started back at Grantland, mm -hmm. back when I was an intern there, mainly because we had so many good NBA writers back there that I couldn't really find a way to get my byline on on the site. So I was just like, I'm going to watch all of these trash ass teams because no one else is going to watch them. So that that's ah, where smart. I kind of got that, you know, it never it never left. The passion never left. And now look at him, Sharks. Now he's now he's got the passion and the clothes. He's unstoppable. And the platform. And the platform. <laughs> uh, you guys have a great platform on Fridays. You do draft class. Make sure you listen to Sharks and Chow and also Kevin O'Connor. Gentlemen, this was excellent. We'll get into more tanking stuff in the future. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. All right. Before we go to Paulo Getty, Paulo Esco blog, one more word from our sponsors. March is here, which means one thing. It's bracket time. Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em is the best place to fill out your bracket all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Joining a public group is easy or create a group and play with your friends. Or guess what? You can join Draymond Green's group and have a shot for $25,000. Don't know your college hoops? Choose one of the autofill brackets. Pick coaches with the highest winning percentage. Pick party schools, whatever. Or totally rebel and pick least popular picks. Why not? There is no wrong way to fill out a bracket in Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off on March 15th. Or build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney2018. Today's show is brought to you by the hit Showtime series, Billions. I'm so excited it's back. Starring Emmy Award-winning actors Damian Lewis and Paul Giamatti. Lewis plays Bobby Axe Axelrod. The Axe is back, a cunning hedge fund CEO who faces off against Chuck Rhodes, the smart, ruthless U.S. attorney, played by Giamatti. The fierce rivalry between Chuck and Axe has been cutthroat. Somebody says it's like Cavs-Warriors level. I think it's been better than that. Much more contentious, much closer. But this season, the stakes are even higher than ever, and survival becomes paramount. Paramount. What will these guys do to save themselves? The new season of Billions premieres Sunday, March 25th at 10, 9 central, only on Showtime. It's worth investing in. Don't miss the show. All your friends are talking about, certainly everybody here at The Ringer likes to talk about. Our listeners can get an extended 30-day free trial of Showtime to catch up on the first two seasons of Billions by entering the code NBA Show at GetShowtime.com. Go binge that. It's fun. That's GetShowtime.com. Offer code NBA Show. This offer expires April 15th. Boom shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! All right, joining me in studio, one of our favorites here at the Heat Check Podcast. He went from never appearing on the show to coming in back-to-back -back week. It's Paolo Ogetti. It's the seagull. What's up, Gons? The listeners demanded it. We got wow. a lot of feedback, and they were like, you put him back on the show, so here you are. 
but I also wanted to get into a piece that you wrote with your partner in crime, Haley O'Shaughnessy, who could not mm-hmm. be here because she's out of town. She is, yes. Tried to have both of you. But you were a co-author on a byline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most important players over the final month, I encourage everybody to go and find that at theringer.com. It's a really interesting piece. You came up with, is it 18 players? So it's a, basically a player for each team still in the hunt for the playoff or in the playoff. Essentially ah. what we try to do. Okay. But then again, I think going back as I was looking at this the other day, I realized we missed a Couple team. Of pl- yeah, I think we missed... Um, shoot, I'm blanking on it so, right now, but well, we let definitely me help, missed somebody. Let me help you out here. I'm pointing oh, at I, myself. Yes. I know exactly who we missed, so, and I thought about this last night. We missed the Sixers. The Sixers! Yes. You did this list, and I was like, this is a really fun list. And I'm going through the list of all these different players, <laughs> and I'm like, where the hell are the Sixers? No Simmons or no Embiid, so immediately uh, this list is I'm, I'm just going to say suspect. that it was on purpose. Okay, yeah. That, it's, Double that, down. That was for both me and Chris Ryan. I think all <laughs> the Philadelphians are, are getting a little ahead of themselves here. But uh, let's start with, um, we'll go through a bunch of these names mm-hmm. here. We're not going to get into everybody, but on the most important players over the final month of the season the one guy who really stood out to me was Anthony Davis Mm -hmm. who crushed it last night he had 10 blocks 25 points 11 rebounds 10 blocks it was his first ever triple double how is that possible I don't know I think I think it's because he sometimes doesn't I think it's the assist that maybe like he doesn't have that as many because he just has to score so much and I think that's part of why I picked him because it's like okay you can get kind of cute and pick like Drew Holiday if you wanted to for the most important player but at the end of the day if he doesn't score like at least 30 or more it's it's you saw last night they lost to the they Jazz lost. right and he still had an amazing game but I think it just kind of speaks to when they play teams that are a lot more like system oriented and he's just kind of fighting back against the entire like other team he has to score like 30 or more for them to even be in it which is I think proves that he's probably like the most important player. He's been absolutely fantastic, especially since Boogie went down and mm-hmm. he's really helped buoy the Pelicans. Uh, they're right now fourth in the Western conference, two games back of the Portland trailblazers who are in the second spot and they're tied with uh, the Timberwolves and also the Oklahoma city thunder. I'm with you that he has to do so much to make them good. Cause the rest of that team, I mean, right. Drew holiday is there and That's good. It. Yeah. And then you look <laughs> at it and you're like, Oh man, they could really use boogie. It's such mm. a shame. But Anthony Davis, I could not believe. Oh, by the way, not only did he get a triple double, it was his birthday. He oh, turned yeah, yeah, 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a useless stat that ESPN stats and information Love sent out. Those. So shouts to them. This is, they actually sent this out. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. He is the first player to record a triple double with blocks on mm. a birthday since blocks became official uh, an official stat in 7374. ESPN stats and info. I love what we're doing, doing with that. I don't know. We're probably doing some of the same stuff where it's like we take like okay, such an arbitrary number on a specific day and he was wearing like the blue color uniform. Right. Like, on a just, birthday yeah. when the moon was full yeah. <laughs> and like all the tides. Like, okay. All right. Fine. Where are you? I got into this a little bit uh, with Sharks and Chow mm-hmm. in the last segment about our top five MVP candidates. Anthony Davis, if you had asked me pre-All-Star break, probably right. wouldn't have cracked my top five. Now I have him third. Yeah, I think I would put him even second. You'd have right? him second. Yeah, You'd I have, would him, have him ahead him of LeBron. Behind. Yeah, I would have him ahead of LeBron, especially because the Cavs are reeling a little bit right now. And it's like, again, it goes back to why he was kind of the main, the first guy on that list and the guy for the Pelicans. He's just so important to them without, I don't, I don't even want to imagine what the, the Pelicans nightmares <laughs> yeah, of what the Pelicans would be without him. So that's why I think he's number two for me. Imagine Micah Peters in the fetal position. It, exactly. That is what the Pelicans would be without Anthony Davis. For a while, the narrative around Anthony Davis was he can't stay healthy. He's super mm-hmm. talented, but can he actually make this dog shit team that they have assembled around him any better? Mm-hmm. And the answer was previously no. He couldn't. He wasn't capable of it. It, it just didn't work. Right. 
This year, it's not like you know, like clearly with Boogie, that that was a different dynamic. Yeah. But extract Boogie, and it's not hugely different than what he's had in previous seasons. And yet, the Anthony Davis that we're getting right now is an absolute world beater. And then the fourth seed, like that's insane to think about. Where, where you know, before the season, you would have asked me where are the Pelicans going to end up. I would probably have said either like ninth or maybe squeezing in there for the eighth seed. Right. I, in no part of my mind that I think there were they would be like a top four seed. In one, in one of the many crew posts that we did for the ringer.com I think mm-hmm. I had them falling out of the playoffs like somewhere yeah, in the season like second half of the yeah, season yeah right I'm like, like I don't know I never mm-hmm. buy it whatever but right now and this is the crazy part Isaac Lee just points this out they have the same record as the Cavaliers there you go I mean obviously the Cavs have LeBron so that puts them ahead of the game but do you give them the same chance to win around? I mean, like, where are you on like the Pelicans' chances in the playoffs versus the Cavs? Who the Cavs are really? Right. They're not healthy. They're not playing well. They're still trying to incorporate their guys. I spent the whole weekend with them, and Ty Lue was going on and on about how like everything they have right now is dumbed down and simplified because mm-hmm. they don't have enough warm bodies who know what the hell they're doing. It's dangerous time for both the Cavs. It's a more dangerous time for the Cavs yeah. than it is for the Pelicans because well, the Pelicans are playing with house money. It's hard to kind of put all your chips in on LeBron, even though AD has had such a ridiculous season and I have him above LeBron in the MVP voting but, a step too far for me but continue uh, you know it's just you're the, I, listen I, this look, is a heat check right am now I, since I'm am I a product of voter fatigue maybe I also don't have a vote so I don't doesn't really matter but I'm just saying I think man like that's hard because it's like LeBron in the playoffs you wonder if there's still another level he has and something I was wondering last night as I was watching them with the Lakers is because he looked like he was putting in the effort so I'm, I'm wondering if, if he's putting in the effort and they're still losing to teams like the Lakers does he have another kind of like gear in him? And and is will that come in the playoffs? I mean, you'd ex- you'd expect it because we've seen it for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. So I don't know. I think I would still lean Cavs as a team, but right now AD as a player. Yeah, I'm I'm still Cavs and LeBron, mm. greater than symbol, Pelicans and, and AD just because That's of fair. the history there. But I like that you pointed out that you don't have MVP votes. We need to get you MVP mm. votes. I think that's happening next. First you're sure. on Heat Check, yeah. then you get MVP votes. That would so, make sense. Some other guys that are on this list. There's some obvious ones. James Harden mm. is on here for obvious reasons. You've got Giannis on here. Some less obvious ones that I thought were fun. Andre Iguodala. Yeah. So kind of doing revisionist history on that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had Andre in there because I thought that he had a really lackluster first half of the season. But since the All-Star break, like I said in there, he's kind of shooting better again. He's looking like he has like a freshness about him, you know? So I think that that was important to the, that's important to the Warriors going forward, especially when they're going to face like the Rockets in the playoffs. I think having a player like him at, at a more engaged level, if you will, was going to be really good, like a glue guy type of thing. But as we've seen kind of over the past like week or so, like, the Warriors are just an entirely different team without Steph. Yes. So if I were to I've, if I were to go back and do this again, I would probably have a hard time not putting Steph in there just because, I mean, I think I saw somewhere where like they're 11 and 6 without him, but like they've only lost one game with him. So it's just like the disparity between what they are with, with Steph and without him is too large to ignore. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair. Uh, I would also point out that upon singling out Andre Iguodala and and mentioning that he's one of the most important players down the stretch, right. the Warriors promptly lost two yes. games in a row. So the ringer curse ringer still curse real. Still alive. Uh, other guys that you have on this list to go back to the Cavs, you have Larry mm. Nance, who I think Larry Nance with the Cavs considering what the Cavs are right now and how they're trying to keep their head above water mm-hmm. has been excellent for them. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two sides to this because 
on one side, you can say, wow, like Larry Nance is really helping LeBron. Like you can see LeBron appreciating how athletic Larry Nance is on every play, on every dunk. He just like, he's just like, wow, that's the type of guy I need to play with. Seems like that's what he's realizing. But at the same time that he's the best player they got at the trade deadline, at least as far as performance goes right now, yeah. that's kind of worrisome. Like, yeah, that's a really good point because uh, George Hill has been hit or miss yeah. depends on the day which is pretty much how his season has gone mm-hmm. he hasn't been uh, the George Hill that we know and love certainly that Danny Chow knows and loves of course Danny Chow <laughs> has said on this podcast and in print two different places that he's his favorite player that George Hill is his favorite I'm like you gotta get out it's more it's not yeah you need to sell that stock like, as somebody ASAP. who loves the NBA Danny there could be a lot of other choices right. uh, but then Rodney Hood has been not surprisingly mm-hmm consistently inconsistent right. in that he's always injured. Jordan, Which is a bummer. Like, I like Rodney Hood in Utah, and I thought he was he, uh, I thought he was going to be the best player from that trade. And I think Danny even said that. He yeah. thought that Rodney Hood was going to be that. But, you know, Larry Nance, I guess. That's, that's kind of what you're hanging your hopes that on. you would want. And then Jordan Clarkson has been Jordan Clarkson. He, he does know. Jordan Clarkson things. He's never seen a shot he doesn't like. Right. He, he says crazy stuff in press conferences. He's got a celebration going, the whole thing. Yeah, he's got a celebration. But, but Larry Nance has been a really interesting piece for them. I hear what you're saying about if he's the best player you got at the trade deadline, uh-oh. However, I think he was an underrated player before landing with Cav- with the Cavs, yes. and now you're seeing like kind of what he can do. The other night, he made a backdoor cut where LeBron like sort of passed him open into a dunk, and he talked about it afterwards uh, at practice the following day where he was like, yeah, like that's the kind of thing that playing with the best player in the world, right. this is what happens. But there are limitations to Larry Nance. Like yeah, right now, exactly. they're kind of experimenting with him at the five, and it's not like the Lakers didn't try that. The Lakers did some of that. And guess what? The Lakers were like, mm, not really Maybe a five. Not. Yeah. I think he's a direct like manifestation of how much players are benefited by playing with LeBron. And it's like night and day. Because I, I think with the Lakers, he was like fringe player. Like people were arguing that, you know, Kuzma should start over him because I think he was start, he was playing at the four. Mm-hmm. And it's just like with LeBron, he's an entirely different player. Is he a game changer? I think I said it in the post. Like he's not going to win you a playoff game or two, he's probably just going to help LeBron win you a playoff game or two. I would like to see how they deploy him when Kevin Love comes back, because yeah. now all of a sudden, okay, now the, it gets a little bit more interesting, interesting and then you've got yeah. Tristan Thompson and like how, like who, where the minutes go, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking forward, frankly, to the Cavs being healthier than they are now, which is not very healthy at all. Some other guys that you had on this list here, Miles Turner, OG Ananobi, Marcus Smart. The one that stuck out for me... Yusuf Nurkic, the Blazers. I just keep coming back to the Blazers. We had some Blazers talk earlier in the program. Their defense has been really good. Yeah, that's a shock. That's a, And I don't know if that's Nurkic directly, but I just the reason I included him in here is because I was looking at you know the numbers, and it's really funny to me how in November he was kind of more high usage and he was mm-hmm. pumping out production. Then as the season went along, his usage has gone down. I think he's like 21 minutes per game in the last month or so. And... His numbers have gone down in terms of total production, but his efficiency is a little better. So I just wonder what his role is on that team moving forward and how he's going to help them both this season and the future. Because I know that they are big on Zach Collins, who has been playing they really well lately. They are big on Zach Collins. And who isn't big on Zach Collins these days, right? I mean, if you had Sharks on here, I don't know if you asked him about it. But oh, he we talked about Zach Collins. Zach Collins. I mean, those two guys, not surprisingly, geeked out on him. Yeah. And, I, and like the people that I've talked to in Portland mm-hmm. love him because he's a young guy who they're developing, who can shoot threes and block shots. And there are like precisely four of those guys yeah. in the NBA, which is fantastic. I say, like, let's pump the brakes just right, a second right. on Zach Collins. Like, I haven't, I, I think. He still looks like he should be playing right now in March. Like, yeah, March Madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm hopeful for Zach Collins. Right. I certainly like him. 
but Nurkic, I have always loved Nurk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's crazy and says fun stuff. Yeah. And, you know, when he got traded to Portland last year, he really had this renaissance. I'm very interested to see what Nurk looks like with the third seeded Blazers in the playoffs. Like, yeah. what kind of Nurk are you getting? Right. If he's engaged, I mean, he's going to be. I think I think the point about him is just if if they are going to diminish his role a little bit for the sake of efficiency, for the sake of giving Collins, I mean, I don't know if that's going to continue in the playoffs, but if they do, he has to have that kind of buy-in mentality, which is like, again, back to the attitudes you're saying where you're intrigued to see him in the playoffs. And, and so am I. I mean, uh, the Blazers are just an intriguing team in general because much like the Pelicans, we didn't really expect them to be where they're at. But, you know, Dame and CJ have kind of just proved that they're worth that spot right now. Another guy that I want to see in the playoffs, uh, I want to see what kind of guy we're going to get. If they make the playoffs, Kevin mm-hmm. O'Connor has a piece on the ringer.com right now wondering aloud whether or not Minnesota can make the playoffs mm-hmm. without Jimmy Butler, but one of the guys that is trying to help them do that and has got a lot of minutes as a result, uh, his usage trade is ticked up with Jimmy Butler out, is Andrew Wiggins, who... Mm-hmm. Had a really good game against the Warriors. Haley yes. tweeted about this and was like, she, you know, she's on this beat. I don't know. She, she is. is like this a self-described beat where she's like, you know, I'm going to see if Andrew Wiggins has a good game or not. Like, yeah. this essentially, it's, it's just simple as that. She put it in, uh, and apologies to Haley if I get this <laughs> wrong, but something like one in five or one in six for a good Andrew yeah. Wiggins games. Because look, Andrew Wiggins with Jimmy Butler and also in previous seasons was sort of the king of hollow stats, right? Mm-hmm. Like he put up a bunch of points and then you'd look at the rest of his line and go, "Did what else did he do? And Simmons has been on the, he doesn't play that good defense anyway. So like, right. are we sure about that contract? And how's that going to look in retrospect? I think lately, since Jimmy Butler went down, Andrew Wiggins is much better. I agree. I wonder if that's just the fact that there's more ball to go around without Jimmy and whether when he comes back, because I still think Jimmy is the most important player for the Wolves. Yeah. Not not Andrew. So so I'm just wondering like how that's going to fit going forward where Towns is going to fit in all this because I mean, he had a monster game last night, but you just wish you saw that more often than not. And I think that's the problem, just how the three mesh together because they're so... You know, Towns is not as ball dominant as the other two, but Wiggins sometimes seems to go into the shadows if Jimmy's just having a great game. And what that bodes to is just, you know, struggling situations where if Jimmy struggles or he's tired, which we know that the Wolves are going to be tired, then he kind of doesn't fully step up where when he needs to. So I'm just I'm just concerned about how they fit together. But I mean, this is good for Wiggins' confidence at least. I am not concerned anymore because of the reverse ringer curse. I'd like to <laughs> congratulate the Minnesota Timberwolves who will undoubtedly now that Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Controversy wrote this piece wondering if they're going to make the playoffs. Not only will they make the playoffs, I think they probably will win the NBA championship just, now just as a result. write him in. Yeah, just put it down. Give him the trophy now. So congrats on that, Minnesota. Uh, some other guys that were on your list here. You have Jokic. Yeah, so Haley, not to mention Haley again, mm-hmm. but she did write about him in a very, I thought it was a really good piece where she just explained why the system that uh, Mike Malone was reverting to, which was more kind of half-court offense uh, and slow it down a little bit more, wasn't really fitting to Jokic's talent. And I, I think that as we saw, I think he had a better game last night. And did, I don't know if you saw that video, which was hilarious where yeah, he's like telling, it's like basically that, like he did this like weird face and it's like, that's how he lets Gary Harris know when he's going to throw that uh, touchdown pass. So, you know, it's when there's stuff like that, you're like, wow, this guy is like so fun. And like, I want to see him in that more kind of free flowing style. So, I mean, if, 
I've, I've just been worried about the Nuggets in general with the Millsap. I am here for all things weird Jokic. Yes. Uh, his long pass face, super weird like that. Also last year as they were in the same position. Mm-hmm. Last year it was them and Portland jockeying for yes. that final playoff spot. And he was wandering around the arena pregame handing out loose candy. And I'm like, all Love right, it. cool, man. This is great. I want some loose candy. Uh, right now, they are tied with Isaac Lee's Clippers. Mm. Isaac, go ahead and jump in on on this. Uh, last playoff spot goes to the Clippers. I agree. Really? Yeah. This is why Paolo is my favorite coworker. I've been on this train for a while now, and not this. There's is not, not many people on that train. It's you and Isaac, and I think I don't even know if Doc's on that train. I think he is. I the thing that I believe with the Clippers is that they're very self aware, which I know is hard to quantify, but I think they just know that you know they're not like a star driven team per se, so they just kind of rely on whoever is on you know one getting, yeah getting thousand going that night. percent i was at the clippers Cavs game mm-hmm. talking to some people in the clippers organization and it was the same conversation over and over again right. where i was like i don't know what is what is this and they're like that's exactly, that's what, exactly it is. what it is and i'm like you know? oh this is very meta uh good luck to you <laughs> i believe in that though i'm in it can i give a really hot take real quick please i think the clippers are gonna be the seventh seed wow i think san antonio is gonna fall out i think denver is gonna take to eight I will say that not to prolong this even even more, but yeah, I do. This is think, a lot of Clippers talk. I no, but I do think that predicting one of the Spurs, Thunder, or Wolves. I guess the Wolves kind of you know they've had a nice little stretch here, but I think one of those three teams was in real danger of falling out, and I still think the Spurs are in danger of falling out. I mean, we know Kawhi obviously returns this week, but I'm just gonna say keep an eye on. I that. I am going to caution you. I had Shay on the program with KOC mm. earlier. And Shea basically has disowned all things KOC. And you don't want to be wow. in that group. You don't want to be in that group and, right. and predict that the Spurs fall out. I think you'll, you'll revise that later. Last one for you, just because you mentioned the Thunder as a team that might mm-hmm. uh, fall out. You had here whoever plays shooting guard for the Thunder, which I thought was hilarious, but also true. So at first, I just I had uh, Josh Westis. How do you, it's Westis? Is that how you pronounce his name? Hustis? Yeah, Hustis, I think. Sorry. But or, I don't know. Yeah. So I first I had him specifically in there, but then going back and forth with Justin, uh, our editor. Shouts I think to Varia. Yeah, shouts to Varia. He was like, I think we it's more just whoever they started shooting guard because that day while I was writing that, they started Corey Brewer. So I just think of whoever is in that spot. I think Cuestas had a really good game, if I remember correctly, this uh, this weekend. So they need something. Literally anything from that position will be of help because without Andre Roberson, they're an entirely different team. Oh, God. My point... Yeah, I know. <laughs> How bad is that situation when you're like, man, Roberson, Roberson really helped no, out. No, but his defense... He's so good defensively. <laughs> he is good and, defensively, but he's he's useless offensively. Well, that's my... Like, that, that's what I wrote about in the thing was just, just if they're not able to replicate or at least replicate half of his defensive impact, they need to provide some sort of offensive you know, a game or something. And how, it, how is it possible that after getting Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, which was a mistake, that we still go with the Thunder? Man, they still need stuff. Like, <laughs> like, and it, this has been the story forever and a day, certainly uh, since KD left. Even when KD was there, it was always like, they still need stuff, and it's crazy. Uh, I highly recommend reading the piece that uh, Paolo and Haley put together, the most important players over the final month of the season. Really fun. A lot of other guys that we didn't get into that you should read if you like the NBA. 
Uh, we've got all kinds of Ringer content, NBA content on the ringer.com that you should check out this week. And we've got, of course, on the Ringer Podcast Network, lots and lots of basketball. Tomorrow you'll get Kevin O'Connor and Verno. This is a Sources Say Week. Juliet Littman and Chris Ryan on Wednesday. Group chat with Paolo and Haley and Justin and Chris on Thursdays. And then, of course, draft class with the guys that we had on the program. That's on Fridays. I want to say thanks to everybody who was on the show. Shay and KOC, Charks and Chow, and, of course, Paolo and my fantastic producer, Isaac Lee, who still is riding with the Clippers for reasons surpassing understanding. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for doing this, Holmes. Yeah, no sweat. Kevin is sitting across from me. I'll introduce you guys, and then you guys can just knife each other over the spurs for 20 minutes, and then we'll be done. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> hey, Shay. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect.